If you would, remain standing for the reading of God's holy word. Um, if you're using a pew Bible, you will find that on page 528. Page 528. I'll be reading Proverbs 3, verses 13 through 18. Proverbs 3, verses 13 through 18. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding, for the gain from her is better than gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. And the Lord adds blessing to the reading of his word. Please be seated. Well, just a word of thanks in beginning. Uh, Thank you so much for allowing me and my family to be gone on sabbatical for the last six weeks. It's been a blessing to be gone, to have some rest with uh, family. Uh, but it is extremely good to be back. And so if you've been here since the beginning of Proverbs, you're probably wondering, why in the world do we just go backwards? So for the next uh, few months, you're going to be seeing something very unusual here. And finishing Proverbs 10 through 31, we're going to be looking at topical things that are discussed in Proverbs. And so today, today is on wisdom. So if you're taking notes and you want a title for today's sermon, you could call it Holding Fast to Wisdom. Holding Fast to Wisdom. So the introduction of Proverbs is now over. It only took 16 weeks. 16 weeks of introducing Proverbs, going from Proverbs 1 through Proverbs 9. And so in case you're counting, that's 10 hours and 37 minutes of teaching God's holy word. 10 hours and 37 minutes of teaching God's holy word. So Solomon desires that his son get wisdom. He wants his son to get wisdom and to live for the Lord. He wants him to get wisdom and to continue to get wisdom all his days. Derek Kinder instructs us here. He says, wisdom books are the point in the Old Testament when the pilgrim is free to stop and to look around. Observing and asking questions about all that he sees. It's a book that seldom takes you to church like its own figure of wisdom. It calls across to you in the street about everyday matter or points things out at home. Proverbs' function in Scripture is to put godliness into working clothes. So this book is about putting godliness into working clothes. It's about a father instructing his son so that by God's grace, he will live a life well lived for the glory of God. You see, if we truly desire to enjoy the Lord and to glorify him, for that is our, that is our chief end, then we will look into Proverbs, we will study Proverbs, we will look around in this life, we will look at our own life and how we are living, we will adjust our life to the will of God and love the Lord more. That's the point of Proverbs, to put godliness into working clothes. So I ask you this question. 
Over the last 16 weeks, have you listened to God's word and examined your life? I mean, that's 16 weeks of sitting under the preached word of God in Proverbs. Let's be honest, a wise man or woman, they have discipline. They are disciplined in life. A fool does nothing when a sermon is finished and the final amen is said. With almost 11 hours of teaching, have you stopped? Have you studied Have you meditated upon God's word, confessing your sins and aligning your life with his revealed will? Have you prayed for wisdom? Have you searched for it as hidden treasure in a field, opening up the word of God, pleading with the Lord, Lord, I need wisdom, please grant it to me. Wisdom is the art of godly living. The righteous application of true knowledge. How you and I live in this life. All that we do, all that we don't do, it all matters. In the words of R.C. Sproul, everything we do counts forever. Right now counts forever. So if we only come and we only listen to a sermon, we are the fool. We have deceived ourselves into thinking that we are Christians who have arrived. And possibly we have convinced ourselves that we are saved when in fact we are lost. Separated from God, dead in our sin, and need of forgiveness found in only Christ. James 1.22 says, But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So if we come and we hear only, it is not wise, for we are deceiving ourselves. Now, in in Proverbs, Jesus Christ is the wise son of Proverbs. If we are in Christ, he is our salvation, he is our savior, he is our righteousness. That's is when God's people stop and say, amen. I mean, Christ is everything, is he not? But just because we are in Christ does not mean that you and I do not need more wisdom. We need more wisdom. Wisdom is found in Christ. We have not arrived. Belonging to Christ is a relationship. It is not just you and I have been moved from death to life and then we are free to do whatever we want to do. It is a constant relationship in which you and I play a role in spending time with him. We have been charged to sit at his feet. We have been charged to get wisdom in this life, not for our sake, but for the glory of God. This life is not about us. Look at Proverbs chapter 1, verse 2. It says, To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing and righteousness, justice and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands, obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles, the fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So the fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. We are fools if we only hear. Hearing alone is not wisdom. I remember so often in college... 
in college, you had so many classes, you had so much going on. For me, I was, I was working nonstop as well as schooling nonstop, so everything was going hand in hand. And so I would study all the time as I was working, but no matter what, things always happen in life, and you would often cram. I don't know if you ever did this in school. But you would have a night where you're like, okay, I've got six hours. I got this six hours right now. Okay, I'm going to eat. I'm going to drink. And then I'm just going to cram as much as I possibly can, pray, wake up the next morning, and hopefully I will glorify the Lord and do well. Brothers and sisters, as, as Christians, we must not do that. As Christians, we are to wake up, as the song sings, in the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. We spend time with the Lord because we have all day to live by his grace if he, if he gives it. And we have all day to glorify him in all that we do. But if we only come to the word of God and we just hear what it says and we don't go and do what it says, if we don't apply it to our life, if we're not thinking about the Lord, we are the fool. We are fools who come and we cram sermon after sermon, Sunday after Sunday, and we expand our knowledge, but we are not wise. Hearing alone is not wisdom. We are creatures made in God's image, and because of this undeniable truth, we need the Lord. We need his word and we need his wisdom. And without his wisdom lived in our life, we will follow the path of a fool, never pleasing the Lord. Over the last nine chapters, we have learned that wisdom is not silent. She cries aloud in the streets. As she cries, we need to receive and treasure her words, making our ear attentive and inclining our heart to understanding. Some of us, it's been so long since we've spent day after day in the Word of God, we have trouble distinguishing that between which is Lady Wisdom and that which is Dame Folly. We have learned that we are to seek wisdom like silver, search for it as hidden treasure. In other words, salvation is not about being slothful, but a faithful slave of Christ, knowing His will and doing His will. In Proverbs 2, verses 6 through 8, For Yahweh gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. So the Lord gives wisdom. The Lord instructs us in what to do. The Lord warns us of adultery. He tells us to avoid it. The Lord rebukes us. The Lord corrects us. The Lord gives wisdom wisdom. In other words, in simple terms, you and I are not autonomous. When we don't go to the Lord for wisdom, we are believing that we are autonomous. We go to the Lord to live. We don't just go to the Lord for salvation. Remember, we are not made right with God by keeping the law. That's called legalism. But we do need the law We need the commands of God. We are also not made right with God by doing the right thing. That's called moralism. But as his children, we need to be holy as our Father is holy, according to 1 Peter 1.16. 
So over the next two weeks, possibly three, we will be focused solely upon living a wise life. And what that means is not living a foolish life. So you will hear much about wisdom and much about foolishness. And you're probably thinking, we have heard about that for the last nine weeks. Yes, and you and I have not arrived, and we need to be reminded and look at specific areas in our life, truly asking ourselves as a question, am I living the life of a wise man glorifying the Lord, or am I living a life of a fool? Proverbs is a call to simplicity. Simplicity, and by simplicity I mean this. A call to do what God instructs us to do. Proverbs points to the voice of Lady Wisdom, the good path, and by following this path, we avoid the path of the fool. So we're going to talk about the foundation for that wise life this morning. The foundation for that wise life. There is no foundation outside of Jesus Christ. This morning, we are all in two camps. We are saved or we are lost. But make no mistake, we can be deceived and we can be unsure of our salvation. We can live a fool's life as a Christian. Therefore, we must be on guard. I thought a lot about this over the last few days about being on guard. And you go back to Proverbs 1 and you read Proverbs 1 through Proverbs 9. You have a father instructing his son, a father pleading with his son, saying, do not forget my teaching. My son, listen. My son, get wisdom. My son, get this. My son, do not do this. Be not wise in your own eyes. Listen. Fear the Lord. Do this. Get wisdom. And whatever you do, get insight. We are to be on guard. So my prayer this morning is threefold for us. Number one, the Lord would give you clarity concerning the state of your soul. I want your doubts to fly away, and I want you to know where you stand before the Lord. Number two, that if you are lost, the Lord would be merciful and save you this morning. For salvation is a work of God. It is not a work of man. And number three, if you are saved, you will soak in the glorious truth of the gospel, giving praise to the Lord who rescued you from death, that you would think about the justification that's found in Christ, the sanctification that's found in Christ, the glorification that is found in Christ, the penal substitutionary atonement of Christ, that you would give him praise and thanks for the fact that before the foundation of the world, he elected you to be his child. That you would be eternally minded. You know, the foundation for biblical wisdom is the good news of Jesus Christ. Therefore, for biblical wisdom to exist in any life, one must be saved. So two points of understanding when we talk about salvation. Point number one, salvation is all of grace. It is all of grace. And number two, repentance and faith are required for salvation. Salvation is all of grace, and repentance and faith are required for salvation. These two points, they are not my idea. They did not come from the thoughts of any man or woman. These two truths 
come straight from God's holy word. Salvation is all of grace, and repentance and faith are required for salvation. One is saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Jesus Christ alone. And if this is not true for you, then you are not saved. Salvation is all of grace, and repentance and faith are required for salvation. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. In Hebrews 11, verse 6, without faith, it is impossible to please him. Whoever will draw near to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. So salvation is not a result of us doing anything. I became very broken and very sad visiting other churches in the Metroplex during my sabbatical where this is not being said. The salvation is a work of man. Salvation is about what you can bring to the table as if you're good enough. Let me just make this extremely clear. Dead people don't make decisions. You don't bring anything to the table when you come to the Lord. Absolutely, positively nothing. Salvation is not a result of us doing anything. Salvation also cannot be earned by us. Salvation is a gift of God. Faith is a gift. We don't deserve salvation, and we cannot earn salvation. Faith is freely given to any man, woman, boy, or girl, and is given by God. We cannot build faith and save ourselves. We are spiritually dead, and only God can make us spiritually alive. The heart that we were born with will never, ever, ever choose God. That's why Scripture says you have a heart of stone. The heart you were born with will never choose God. We are dependent upon the Lord for all things. This includes salvation. This includes a new heart. There is no man or woman born on this planet who can conjure up enough faith to grant themselves a new heart. Salvation is all of grace. We are dependent upon the Lord for all things. We are born dead in our sin, transgressors of God's law. We were born wicked. We are not basically good as most are preaching. We fail to meet God's standard, which is perfection. Be holy for I am holy, God says. Salvation is all of grace. And yet at the same time, we are told to repent of our sin and call on Christ for salvation. Acts 17 says, a time of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Why? Because God has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, that's Christ, and of this he has given assurance by raising Christ from the dead. So we are commanded by God to repent, to have a change of mind and agree with God. We agree that we are sinners who have fallen short because we were born dead in our sin. We agree that we are sinners and we turn from our sin, turn towards Christ for salvation. It is a change of mind. So salvation is all of grace and repentance and faith are required for salvation. You see, in the Old Testament, God the Father promised 
he would send a savior. If you've never studied Genesis 3 in detail, I really encourage you to do so. Specifically, Genesis 3, verse 15. It says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. As Brian Richards said this morning as he was leading in worship, he said, I don't know about your life, but a lot of times Sundays can be crazy. Well, maybe you've had a crazy week overall. Things have been going on left and right. Work hasn't been good. So many things, you just feel like you haven't had time to actually sit down and soak. Allow that time to be right now. Sin has entered the world in Genesis. And as sin entered the world, what do we find? Sin destroys. Sin kills. And God would have been extremely just if he chose never to save anyone after sin entered the world. I don't know if you've thought about that before. But in Genesis 3, he promises his Savior. So God found it fitting to say, you know what? Sin has entered this world. It has ruined everything. But I'm going to give you a promise. I'm going to send a Savior. That Savior is Christ. Genesis 3.15 is a message of hope that Christ suffered on the cross. His heel was bruised, but he did not stay dead. Christ is risen. Christ defeated Satan. Satan's head was bruised. Christ has redeemed his children. If you will, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's be reminded of this. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. If you're using a pew Bible, you can find that on page 952. Page 952. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. Much of the world thinks the cross is foolishness. The bride of Christ is not. The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. Now this is massively huge. Can't understate this anymore. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. So outside of preaching the gospel, there will be no salvation. For Jews demand signs. Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men, the weakness of God is stronger than men, for consider your calling, brothers, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards, amen, 
Not many were powerful, not many were of noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So as it's written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So the word of the cross is the power of God. So the beginning The foundation of eternal wisdom for every person is the preaching of the work of Christ. Some seek signs for salvation. Some believe it is knowledge alone that saves. Some think you can earn your salvation. Others believe that you just need to repeat a prayer. That's not true according to what God has said. The beginning of eternal wisdom for every person is the preaching of the work of Christ. The cross of Christ is to be preached. Your testimony is powerful, but it does not save a soul. Saying Jesus loves you will not save a soul. Christ is righteousness. Christ is sanctification. Christ is redemption. And Christ is wisdom. And without Christ, you have no foundation. Without Christ, you have no salvation. If you are saved, it is because your heart has heard the gospel and the Lord has saved you. If you are saved, you have heard the work of the Son of God. You have heard of his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. John 3, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall never perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Get this, you cannot be saved even today without Christ. It was same in the past, it's same in the present. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has believed in the name of the only Son of God. So the good news is that there is one way for you to be saved. There is one way for you to be in good standing with a holy God. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He said, no one comes to the Father except through me. Acts goes on in the early church, and there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So you must be saved by Jesus Christ alone or you're not saved. You need to know where you stand with the Lord. Otherwise, you will not be wise. You need to know where you stand with the Lord. If you are unsure about that, you are concerned about that, Scripture says, God says, repent and have faith in me. Repent, come to Christ. Christ is the foundation for wisdom, for without Christ, we are not wise. Without Christ, without Christ, we are without salvation, and we cannot fear the Lord. So to God's children, to the redeemed, to the elect this morning, If the Lord wills this week, every day this week, you will wake up and you will live. You will talk with family. You will talk with coworkers and strangers. You will encounter choices and decisions will be made. And all that you do, all your choices, all your decisions, all your ways, the Lord is calling out to you through his word saying, stay the course. Keep glorifying me. Walk in the path of Lady 
wisdom, but our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. We must have a renewed mind. We need the wisdom of God. Romans 12 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. You know, as a Christian, I hope that's what we do when we wake up in the morning. We want to be a living sacrifice to the Lord with our life. Amen? I mean, you want to wake up and you want to be like, man, I want today to count forever. I want to live for the Lord today. We have that desire, that yearning, because it's a work of God. But within that work of God, we also have, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So if we're not spending time with the Lord, if we're not spending time as God speaks to us through his holy word, reading what he has preserved for us, that means we will not discern what is the will of God in this life. We will not know what is good. We will not know what is acceptable. We will not know what is perfect. We will walk the path of the fool. Salvation is all of grace, but we have a responsibility to seek him and to keep his commands. We need to be seeking him by thinking upon what he has spoken and preserved for us. We need wisdom, saint. Whether you're wise, whether you're simple, whether you're foolish, we all need wisdom. We need to know who God is. What does Scripture say about God? We need to know all that God has commanded. What are the decrees of God? We need to know the promises of God because when we see this world and we see everything going on, whether it's COVID, whether it's outside circumstances, whether it's the economy, whether it's anything else, we need to know the promises of God, of what God has said He will do, specifically as His children, as the elect, that God's going to bring us home. We need to make ourselves tired for the sake of Jesus Christ and stop getting tired over the things of this world that don't matter. Think about this past week, the last seven days. Did you become tired because you were living for the Lord, or did you become tired because you didn't meet with them? We're to be a living sacrifice, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. When sin is clinging closely and we are not confessing and not abiding, we are crawling off the altar and living for self. You see, it's not that Christians don't know what it is to be wise. It's that Christians don't want to be wise because they don't go to the Lord. We need to be serving the Lord with the salvation that he has given us by his grace. So the first thing, resting in the work of Christ, it's our great privilege and joy. Resting in the work of Christ is our great privilege and joy. We will not rest in the Lord if we are not abiding in his word. You will find no rest outside of spending time with the Lord. You will not rest in the Lord if you are not praying, relying upon him. If you're not praying, whose strength are you trusting in? Your own. You'll be trusting in your own strength. You will not rest in him if you are not walking the path of wisdom. 
If you're not reminding yourself of the gospel, your heart will remain restless, walking the way of the fool. Resting in the work of Christ, it's our great privilege and joy. Number two, holding fast to wisdom, it is our work. Holding fast to wisdom is our work. Proverbs 3, 13 through 18, our main text. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom, the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver, her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. So wisdom is the greatest gain. Wisdom is what is most precious. Wisdom, it has no comparison. In wisdom's right hand, you have a long life. In her left hand, you have riches and honor. This means that wisdom produces a life that pleases the Lord. In wisdom, you find a life well lived. I did not say in wisdom you will find worldly success. In wisdom, you will find a life well lived. Amy and I's first week during our sabbatical, her and I were in Mexico. We were surrounded, and I mean surrounded, all day and all night by individuals who were looking for a life well lived. And they were looking for a life well lived in all the wrong places. We had a few conversations with some individuals about that. But let us not be mistaken, church. As Christians, you and I can look for a life well lived in all the wrong places too. It's so easy for us to point out to the lost and notice this and see this and say that. It's so difficult to look at our own life and to examine our life and ask ourselves those tough questions. Am I glorifying the Lord? How did I glorify the Lord today? How did I walk wisely today? Whose kingdom was I actually living for? Resting in the work of Christ, it's our great privilege and joy, but holding fast to wisdom, it is our work. If you believe this, if you believe the teaching over the last 16 weeks, your life will prove it. You will seek wisdom like it is a matter of life and death because here's the big kicker. Wisdom is a matter of life and death. It is. Because the foundation for godly wisdom is Jesus Christ. Salvation in Christ is needed if you are to be wise. And the second thing, living a wise life requires humility. Living a wise life requires humility. The humble man will be devoted to the getting of more wisdom for the glory of God and not self, while the puffed up or prideful man will live a fool's life trusting in self and living for worldly pleasures. Wise men, wise women are men and women of discipline and they desire it for the Lord, not for themselves. Having humility 
means submission to the Lord, not trusting self, but believing and holding to the truth of what God has said in his word. I'll say this again. Having humility means submission to the Lord. Not trusting self, but believing and holding to what he has said in his word. One of the things that keeps going over and over on repeat in my mind day after day as we walk through, it looks like another wave round two of COVID. As God's children, you and I do not need to know what the Lord is doing. Stop trying to figure it out. As Christians, we are not called to know what the Lord is doing. As Christians, we are called to know the Lord. Knowing the Lord is enough. And if it's not enough for you, those are areas in your life that you need to identify and you need to repent of. You and I are not God. We are His children. We are His servants. We don't need to know exactly what the Lord is doing. I need to know God, who He is, His promises, His commands. Knowing Him is enough. A humble man, a humble woman will get wisdom at all costs. Proverbs 23, 23. Buy truth, do not sell it. Buy wisdom, buy instruction, and get understanding. So we are told in Scripture to obey truth at all costs, to get wisdom at all costs. So when the words at all costs are spoken, what do you think of in your own life? Hopefully your marriage. Your marriage at all costs, regardless of the price, Till death do us part, I'm going to glorify God with our marriage. Hopefully your children. At all costs, regardless of the price, I will train my children in the word of the Lord. What about at all costs, I will please the Lord. At all costs, no matter what comes my way, no matter hardships, trials, persecution, no matter what it comes, no matter what phone calls I give, at all costs, I'm going to please the Lord, regardless of the price. Because the price that Christ paid is far greater. The price that He paid is far greater than anything I can think about. The exchange, the great exchange is indescribable. At all costs, I will please the Lord because I am here for Him. For my chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever at all cost. To make truth and wisdom your pursuit so that your life will be well lived. Jesus taught about this in Matthew 13. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and he sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. In other words, salvation, knowing the Lord, living for the Lord, in great joy we would go and we would sell everything that we have. Once saved, wisdom is the only path that glorifies the Lord. Proverbs 28, 26, Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom 
will be delivered. So if you belong to Christ, Christ is holding on to you and nothing can snatch you out of his hand. But I plead with you, hold fast to wisdom or you will walk the way of a fool. At all costs, please the Lord. Hold fast to Christ as he is holding to you. At all costs, please the Lord with whatever comes. So how are you living right now? If you did an honest evaluation, examination of your life right now, as we should do every time we read God's holy word, how are you living? Is Christ your treasure right now? Whose kingdom are you living for? Make no mistake, this past week, you and I lived for our own personal selfish kingdoms. We thought about us, 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 and we had times and moments of our life where we did not glorify the Lord. What is your overall pattern right now? Is Christ your treasure? Are you aligning your life with the will of God? Or even a scarier question is, do you know what the will of God is? Do you know the word enough to know his will? I hope my prayers were answered this morning. I hope you have clarity concerning the state of your soul. I hope you know if you're lost or if you're found. I hope you know where you stand with the Lord. If you're saved, soak in the work of Christ on the cross this week. Give him praise for Christ has rescued you from death. The great exchange is absolutely that. The greatest exchange that you will ever experience. Him taking away your sin and him granting salvation by his grace. If you're saved, hold fast to wisdom this week. Ignore the voice of Dame Folly. Because the voices of Dame Folly are many. And they come all the time. Hold on to Lady Wisdom. Know the voice that you are to listen to. Don't let go of wisdom. Keep it. Walk in it. And get more wisdom for the glory of God. At all costs, do this. If you're not saved, repent of your sins and place your faith in Christ alone. Proverbs 8, 35 and 36 says, Forever finds me, finds life, and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. Proverbs 17, 24, The discerning sets his face toward wisdom, but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. Did you catch that? The eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth, always looking about whatever the wind is blowing, whatever is happening. We don't need to know what the Lord is doing. We just need to know the Lord and live. Those who do not repent of their sins, those who do not have faith in Christ, they will enter hell. They will not enter heaven. Hell is full of fools who fail to see God as judge and Christ as Savior. We are called to repent of our sins and to trust in Christ alone for our salvation. Come to Christ and call on him. And if you have already come to Christ, examine yourself and make sure that you are living a wise life because we can live the life of a fool. Father, I thank you for your holy word. 
Father, how good your word is. Father, you've called us to a life of service to you as your children. To rest in what you have accomplished. To abide in your word, to know you, to know your commands, to know your promises, and to faithfully serve you. Father, we come before you as needy people every time we talk to you. We are so needy. We need more wisdom. We need forgiveness of our sins that we have committed, Father. We need to be reminded of your truth over and over and over again. Father, thank you for your grace and unending, unchanging love that you allow us to gather together to worship you and to be reminded of your truth this morning. Father, I pray this week we would not spend fruitless time and efforts on things that don't matter. Even in the church, Father, we are so guilty of wasting so much time and having so many arguments on so many different things while there are Christians around the world, Father, who have nothing being persecuted for one thing, their faith in Christ and in the sharing of the good news. And yet we want to argue about trivial things that don't matter. Father, we need wisdom. You tell us to come before you and to ask for it in James, but to not doubt, to come before you with faith, believing that you will give it to us. But yet your word also says to go and to get wisdom once we are saved and to live and continue to get wisdom so that we would glorify your name in this life. Father, how selfish we are. How forgetful we are as your people. Father, we are asking you would remind us over and over and over again today, tomorrow, throughout the week, Lord, that we need you. But you would also grant us the discipline so that we would faithfully serve you. Proudly serving our great God. Father, draw the lost to yourself. Father, I pray that they would they would come to you this morning before they leave. It's in Christ's name we pray all these things. Amen.